Welcome back to Tequila She Wrote, a podcast about cocktails and true crime. I'm Sloane, your bartender for today. And I'm Trish, your crime tender. And today we're bringing you the story of Sarah Stern. Yes. I'm not familiar with this at all, um, though we will dive into this case. Real quick, let's do a little catch up. because it's, it's been a while. It's been a minute. <laughs> Yeah, we took, as I put out there, we took time off for the holidays and then it was just trying to, you know, basically catch back up from said holidays. I'm honestly still catching up. Uh, It's been a rough couple of months. It's been very rough. I went from working about 20 hours a week to working about 50 hour weeks every week now. And it, I, I work in a very like draining industry. If you know, you know, um, I don't want to complain too much because we all have our own issues, but it is definitely like taking its toll on my mental health. Since the last time we've talked, I chopped off like eight inches of my hair. I've dyed my hair purple. I have bangs. I kind of look like Velma. Um, (laughs) But yeah, like, that is where I am at with my mental health. I think that that kind of says it all. It's like every other week I do something else to my hair to try to bring the dopamine (laughs) into my life. It's not working well. No. We need another piercing or tattoo. Or, you know, both. We'll take both. (laughs) But, yeah. It was a good time off let's kind of have like our time like I spent with my family and we both spent with like friends and just not looking into the world of crime really (laughs) yeah this past Friday uh we do live in Mobile Alabama if you didn't know now you do And there is this somewhat of a rivalry from Mobile's side, not necessarily New Orleans side, about how Mobile is the home of Mardi Gras and New Orleans is not. I'm not here to debate that fact. I'm just here to state that we live in the land of Mardi Gras. I'm not going to say the home of. We live in the land of Mardi Gras. And so Friday... We had the uh, Reese's Senior Bowl is also held here, which is where college seniors come and play against each other. It's kind of like the NFL Pro Bowl that's about kinda, to happen. Yeah. But it's, it's for college seniors. It's the last way for like college uh, football players to basically get seen before like the combine and that. Mm-hmm. So. And then they have like a big Mardi Gras parade the night before. And it kinda, it's always the opening up of Mardi Gras. Yes, exactly. I've lived here for six years and I have not done a single Mardi Gras event other than working throughout Mardi Gras because I never remember to take off until it's too late. But this year was different because Nelly performed at the free concert. Yes, I said free. We went and saw Nelly for fucking free. It was great. It was wonderful. <laughs> it was great. Like, I felt like I was back in the early 2000s. Yes. <laughs> yes. He played. All I wish of I felt hits. that way, but you know. <laughs> oh, I was definitely. The next day, my age was showing. I I'm was going to say, I don't bounce back like I used to. <laughs> I'm not still in the teen years for sure. My body showed it the next day. I slept for like 48 hours afterwards, but it was a great time. We, I had fun at the parade. I came home with two hula hoops, a couple of balls. I was shoving my jacket full of all of the things that I could get. I will say, if you come to Mobile, do not expect to flash people for beads. That's not what you do here. We are family friendly here. Yes. No boobies involved. Go to New Orleans for that. I plan to. (laughs) (laughs) But overall, it was a great time. Um, we have a couple of other things planned throughout this Mardi Gras season that I'm really looking forward to. Yes. And all of the kinks. We are both, like, our friend is coming in for Fat Tuesday. So it'll be both of our first Fat Tuesday Mm -hmm. downtown, which I've heard is something to 
you know, enjoy, but also uh, plan to just basically be drunk and tired. <laughs> so, yeah. I'm going to start sleeping now to recover from the <laughs> Nelly. It's never going to happen. I'm going to sleep enough into <laughs> I have a few weeks. I have like two to three weeks. It's going to be fine. My insomnia would never. I am in a major depressive episode. <laughs> which one of the plus sides of that is sleep comes pretty easily. One of the downsides of that is it comes at irregular times. <laughs> so it makes living life a little hard, a little difficult. It's fine. I've struggled with my mental health my entire life. I'm at least kind of like aware of what's going on. So it's not like the first time that it happened. And yeah. Anyways, but my plan is to sleep and recover until then. I got a couple of weeks and I'm going to enjoy all of the king cake possible. I need to go get king cake. We already missed the king cake bake off. I know, but I need to go get me a king cake. I need to just get the plain cream cheese because I know Logan will at least help eat it. Because me and you do not need to split a king cake just ourselves. She was reading my mind. <laughs> we do not need to split a king cake ourselves. And if it's fruit flavored, Nate won't participate either because he doesn't like fruit. This is so weird. <laughs> so we just need a plain cheesecake. And I know that sounds easy, but it's not really because a lot of the time they like to add like strawberry or something like that. And me and her would gladly eat the strawberry one. It's not that. It's that we get to the store too late and all of the regular cream cheeses are already taken. Yeah. Nobody else wants the strawberry cream cheese. <laughs> the strawberry tr cream cheese is great. It's just Logan doesn't fucking eat it. She doesn't like strawberry. I know. Things. She likes strawberry in some things, but not in others. She's going to listen to weird. This. I don't care. She knows. I call She's her out on it all this. the time. <laughs> She'll eat a fucking strawberry roll-up, but she won't eat a strawberry, like, flavored whatever. <laughs> As a fellow picky eater, I understand. <laughs> I understand. Uh, but, anyways, long way of being said, we are officially back. Um, We're Sloan figuring it out. does not have a case for this week, but I do. So about, this week, saying, yeah. as I was saying, we're figuring it out. We're getting back into the swing of things. So like for I've now, said, we I'm have not doing great mentally. Yes. So for now, we have at least one episode for you this week. We'll see what next week brings. I will for sure have one because I have one on the back burner that I'm still researching. And yeah, I guess for the time being, at least expect one episode a week. Maybe two. We'll let you know when we have two. And yeah. If this is a little rusty, it's been like we said, it's been it's been a while. <laughs> Buckle up for the hot mess express. <laughs> two two beep beep. <laughs> Welcome back to another round of bartending with Sloan. Today, I attempted two different drinks. They both were kind of <laughs> fails. It is what it is. It's part of the process. I'm going to share it anyways. I sip, rewind already, messing it up. It's fine. We're rusty. We're getting back with it. We got some Jameson Orange almost a year ago. It's been a like while, forever yeah. forever ago. And I bought it to try, and then we were just trying to find something to, like, actually work it into. Yes, exactly. And so, pretty much the only thing that has consistently stuck with us is doing the breakfast shot, which I did uh, about a year, a year ago, ago, which is Jameson, butterscotch schnapps, and orange juice, equal parts of each. And a lot of people will follow it up with, like, eating bacon, too. Um, 
I will say that with the Jameson orange, it, I wish that we would have done like a bacon slice with. But I think with just the Jameson and the orange juice and the butterscotch schnapps, those alone, it Give tastes you, just yeah. like a McGriddle. So I was like, hey, Jameson orange, let's use that in place of Jameson and try this out for Breakfast Shot 2.0. I was also kind of hoping that the Jameson orange and the butterscotch schnapps alone would taste like the McGriddle. It did not. We followed that up with the orange juice and it tasted good, but it did not taste like the McGriddle, like the original breakfast shot. Yeah. Um, so all of that to say, like, this is definitely, if you have Jameson orange already in your cabinet and you're like, hey, how should I use this up? I think this is a great way to use up Jameson Orange. Yeah. I do not think that you should go out and buy Jameson Orange just to try to replicate this. Yeah. It was an easy to do shot. Like, there was nothing harsh about it. Like, no. I know people, a lot of people are like, oh, that's whiskey. But it. I am not a whiskey fan, but it goes down very smooth. Yeah. Both versions of this. I will say that I think that the Jameson Orange would go really well with Orange Fanta. That would have been really great. But we just, like, we had just gotten one shooter of this. So, unfortunately, slash fortunately, it's one and done for this. Right. <laughs> um, but I think that this would go really well with Orange Fanta, first and foremost. I think it would also go really well in Coke if you are a, like, orange chocolate fan. That would be a great combination. And then there was one more that I had thought of. Um, like orange and something vanilla to make like an orange float is where I was going with yeah. it. But I can't think of anything off the top of my head other than vanilla Coke. And that's not quite where I was going with that. I mean, you have, like, vanilla vodka or, like, whipped vodka. Who would even go well with Sprite? Yeah. It was a very smooth whiskey. Let me put it that way. It, it would be easy to mix with other things, but it did not. Yeah. It was not as good as the original breakfast shot, which is what I was going for here. Yes. But it was worth a chance. The other thing that I tried to do today is uh, our friend, our <laughs> podcast friend, Janika. Y'all might remember her from... Many moons ago. Oh, Janika. She works at a liquor store, right? But she, like, went and bought some Baileys. And she didn't realize that Baileys expires. So she sold it to me because they were all about to expire. So I was going to share one with y'all. I threw them all in the freezer. And uh, it froze all the way through. I did not expect that. I should have, but I did not. But the salted She's caramel. <laughs> the salted caramel Baileys is by far my most favorite Baileys that I've tried to date. I think the only one that could possibly top it is the apple pie one. Um, just because apple pie usually has like cinnamon you, to it. You didn't get to try the one my parents got on their cruise they went on. They have it at the house. So like if you come over, can get you to try it. But it's a chocolate one. It's like, I think it's like chocolate lux is what it's called you can only get it on cruise ships but it's like think godiva on crack <laughs> yeah it, it's so good but if we're in a dessert shop am i going for the chocolate or am i going for the cinnamon roll so i still think i think that that would be better i, I still want to find the tiramisu one okay <laughs> We're on the hunt for that if anybody can manage to smuggle us any to Alabama because Alabama has the worst liquor laws ever. Uh -huh. um, but yeah, so I, from Janika, I got the salted caramel, um, strawberries and cream, and red velvet. I've had the red velvet before. It's definitely a favorite of mine. It's really good. I look forward to baking with that one. The strawberries and cream, to me, tasted like Pepto-Bismol. I would say, yeah, it's very kind of pepto but it's been a 50 50 because I've shared it with a few people. And I think if you mixed it with the right thing, it would be good. It'd make probably some really good Valentine's Day drinks. 
And then my favorite is definitely the salted caramel, which is what I wanted to share with y'all today. But like I said, I froze it. I, I messed up here. <laughs> I, I am a bartender, but I am not a professional bartender, if you know what I mean. I'm a corporate bartender. <laughs> Self-trained, mostly. We're corporate slash at-home bartenders, okay? Yeah, yeah. So, anyways, we are going to get along with this case today because we've taken up a good bit of your time already. And... We hope you enjoy this, and thanks for hanging out with us again. All right. So, as we said, today's case is about Sarah Stern, and this takes place all the way back in 2016. So, I know for some of us that feels like just yesterday, but that's that's actually quite some time ago. I know it hurts us all. It hurts me every day when I think about how much time has passed. (laughs) So on... I don't know what you're talking about. It's still 2019. (laughs) Uh, My friend Emily hurt me with saying that her son is about to start second grade next year. And I went, oh, God. (laughs) No. It hurts. (laughs) But... Anyways, back on December 2nd, 2016, 19-year-old Sarah Stern went missing with seemingly no trace, leaving family and friends to ask what happened. So, Sarah was a 19-year-old from Neptune City, New Jersey. She had graduated high school and was attending Brookdale Community College. She was attending for a degree in arts and TV production. And on December 2nd, 2016, Sarah disappeared. And she was last seen at home that Friday afternoon. The next morning, Sarah's car was found abandoned on a local bridge, leaving police and family to ask what happened. And most importantly, where was Sarah? So, Sarah's father, Michael Stern, told the New Jersey Advance, It's not like Sarah at all, and we just don't know. Multiple people that had talked to her in the days prior basically said that her disappearance, like, about her disappearance, that nothing seemed off, and she was actually in good spirits. So, for her to just disappear made no sense. But also, like, my thing, you think about how many times have you been shocked to hear, like, about celebrities that you think live, like, these perfect lives and whatnot, and suddenly you wake up and they're gone from, like, suicide and stuff like that. So, it's like, you can't always look at... Someone being, like, happy-go-lucky and then be really that shocked that they're just suddenly gone. So, Sarah was described as a good kid and friendly to everyone. But after... Not, sorry. Not February. But after Friday the 2nd, She just vanished, leaving nothing but questions to loved ones and those that were investigating this case. For months, police investigated the case, only to find nothing. Finally, a breakthrough was made in the case, and police arrested two of Sarah's friends and her former classmates. On February 1st, 2017... Law enforcement apprehended Liam Mc... I can... I, I'm really struggling on how you would say this name. Like, the last name. I think it's Miss McAstony. And Preston Taylor. So, they arrested Liam and Preston on relations to Sarah's missing persons case. As time went on, 
the case was looked at as a homicide, which led to Liam facing charges re related to robbery and murder, and Preston was listed as his accomplice. As details emerged, it was discovered that Preston and Liam had planned Sarah's murders months in advance. And again, I say, like, yes, I trust my friends, but also, like, I know who I can definitely trust. Like, if I go missing, don't look at this bitch next to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to be looking at the Don't look at her. Don't look at Logan. Everybody else, I love you, but um, sus. <laughs> you sus. <laughs> <laughs> so, Liam and Preston learned in September of 2016 that Sarah had inherited a sizable amount of money from her late mother, who just so happened to die of cancer in 2013. So if that don't tell you how shitty of people these two boys are. So their plan was basically to get the inherent to get the inheritance that they knew that she had acquired was to murder Sarah and then stage it as a suicide. So Liam basically took the lead in all this and he somehow got Sarah alone and strangled her for over 30 minutes. And once he was sure that she was dead, he called Preston and they drove her car to the bridge to stage the scene. And what's most disturbing is that Liam, after strangling Sarah, placed her in the passenger seat and then drove her car to the bridge. So in a, basically in a secret video, which ultimately was the confession for Liam, he told a friend that he parked Sarah's car on the bridge and dragged her body from the car toward the edge when three three cars began to approach. So then he dragged her back to the car and waited for them to pass. And then Preston, who was also Sarah's former prom date and Liam's roommate, basically helped to drag her back over to the edge and dispose of the body and then drove the separate car that he followed like her car in to make them like disappear. So Liam also said in the video that he planned the killing for over six months and was disappointed he only walked away with $10,000 in cash. Only. Right? I wish I had that much. <laughs> but he was disappointed because he believed the amount in the safe from Sarah's inheritance following her mother's death was going to be much more. And and my thing is, sir, if you really think being greedy. one, yes, you being greedy, but two, like you really think like somebody's just handed like a lump sum. They ain't gonna have that shit in the bank or anything like that. Do you wanna know what that makes me think of? Is the Taylor Swift song where she's like, My daughter in law Yeah, <laughs> the anti hero. Yes. yes. My daughter-in-law thinks I left them in the will. <laughs> no, they're saying I'm laughing up, up at them from hell. <laughs> like, it'll be me if I ever have kids. <laughs> oh, you think I left you shit? 
leaving it to the dogs. <laughs> That's slow. <laughs> uh, leaving it to the cats. Which, Jesus. Uh, my cat been so so annoying lately. I'm just like, sir, I need you to go away. <laughs> Maybe this one single. <laughs> uh, anyways. So Preston, who is the accomplice, was 19 at the time of the murder. He pled guilty. And testified against Liam. So I'm assuming he was probably, like, offered a really good plea deal. So he testified against Liam. Meanwhile, Liam basically maintained that he was innocent. And, like, ever since he was accused. And he also never took the stand during his trial. Which, to me, is a red flag that you cannot keep your story straight at all. So why are we going to put you on the stand for you to possibly incriminate yourself? So on April 24th, 2017, so over a year after Sarah was murdered, the trial jury convicted Liam of first-degree murder, first-degree robbery, first-degree felony murder, second, sorry, second-degree conspiracy to commit robbery, second-degree disturbing or desecration of human remains, third-degree hindering, fourth-degree tampering with physical evidence. And then Preston was only convicted of robbery and being a an accomplice. So Liam had his fair share of charges put against him. Like I said, I believe that Preston was probably offered a very good plea deal. And on June 28th, 2019, um, which they, they had been in jail this whole time, but, like, through appeals and, like, stuff on, in 2019, it was finally, like, finalized. And Liam was sentenced to life in prison without parole, as he should be. And uh, Preston was sentenced to serve 18 years in jail. Which is a long time, and could have been longer. I, I feel like it could have been longer. Do I feel like, in what like I've read and kind of seen, at least from what was reported through this case, was he just kind of like, yeah, sure, I'll go along with this. <laughs> yes. So like, I feel like it's just a case of him not really having his own like backbone. <laughs> But, yeah. So they both ha are serving time in jail. Like, Liam, for the most part, is never going to get out of jail unless something happens. And Preston eventually will, but it'll be after some time has passed. So the real kicker is that yes Sarah's killers and accomplice like have been brought to like jail and like they've been caught and everything but sadly her body has never been recovered from Shark River which is where she was thrown off the bridge now if you want to watch like a documentary or like an episode on this case you can watch um her story on a special episode of 2020 called with friends like these 
I know that Hulu has some. I'm pretty sure Discovery Plus definitely probably has it. I didn't get a chance to really look. It was on my bucket list and I just I didn't get around to it. I'm sorry. But like I said, it is called With Friends Like These. And it has friends kind of giving like a um kind of like their take on it. I'm sure that her family probably does make an appearance in it, but it'd be very interesting to see like kind of what people have to say like that knew her because I feel like after time has passed you do start to kind of look at things and you kind of start to question and so maybe I'm I'm always interested to see like if maybe anybody had any suspicion that like Liam or Preston was planning anything but also like I said it's also when I was like researching this and I saw like you know that was her it was supposedly her friends that like did this to her I was like I was like, well, damn. <laughs> that reminds me of, like, the Skylar case. Yeah. Where her two friends took her out to the woods. Yeah. I'm just like... Like... Like I said, I... Do I think Sloane's ever gonna murder me? No. <laughs> Logan... You know all my tricks. Right. <laughs> Logan, I feel like it would take something really, really drastic to like push her over that <laughs> but like if I came into some money they they know I'd be like alright I'm gonna keep what I need what do you need what do you need how much you need <laughs> alright here you go but yeah it's just I. it's sad to think that someone that you were friends with you went to school with you literally were the prom date of some of like one of them would stoop so low to kill like someone like that mm. that's not a friend that's a freeloader mm-hmm. but that th- that is uh the new version of tlc's scrubs <laughs> basically <laughs> yes so um like I said, sadly, Sarah's body has never been found, but at least her family does have a sense of justice. Does that bring them closure? Probably not, because they are without their daughter, who had her whole life to live. But it also kind of does give them some closure. Because at least they know that, like, her death is, like, just, like... I don't want to say justified, but, like, they know that who killed her is getting what they deserve. But that is my case. I know it's not a super long one. There wasn't too much new information because I guess it was found out a lot quicker than some of these cases are, which is a good thing. But I just thought it was an interesting one. Figured give us a nice, short, sweet one to start back. And the next one that I plan on doing is kind of one that you will be able to jump down some rabbit holes on. So Sloan's like, yes. (laughs) So. I guess with that being said, I will pass you off to our last call. Welcome back to another last call with Sloan. Today, I'm going to talk about 10 popular Mardi Gras traditions and the history behind them. I was going to go into Mobile Mardi Gras, but I'm going to save that for another day. (laughs) Let's just cover the basics of Mardi Gras to begin with, just in case you aren't familiar. I grew up in Mississippi. We've talked about that before. I grew up in Mississippi, so while I knew some things about Mardi Gras, I didn't know the history. Like, I knew 
that Fat Tuesday was a day, but I didn't know what Tuesday was Fat Tuesday. I knew that you had king cakes, and I knew that the colors were purple, gold, and green, and that's about it on my knowledge. I grew up in Ohio. We knew that you had Lent, <laughs> and we knew that you had, like, Easter, and, like, all, like, did I hear about Mario Girl? Yes. Did I know what it was? No. I knew that you got stuff thrown at you, and there's a free, <laughs> and, like, the way it's kind of, I guess the way it was kind of always explained, like, they make it seem like it's, like, one day of, like, parades. And then I moved down here, and they're like, nah, it's, like, two weeks of, like, parades and it's stuff. And I'm like, what? <laughs> it is a whole season. And people spend, like, all year planning their floats yes. and their outfits. And there's parades and balls. And, I mean, there is a whole lot of culture that goes yes. into it and you don't know it unless you see it for yourself. So first and foremost, what's in a name? Chances are you've heard the term Fat Tuesday. If you listen to the beginning of this podcast, you definitely heard <laughs> the beginning of this episode, at least. That's because in French, Marty means Tuesday and Gras means fat. Put it together and you've got Fat Tuesday. Da, 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 da. Woo, woo. <laughs> but what does it mean? Since Mardi Gras takes place on the last Tuesday before Lent, it's the day when people indulge in decadent, potentially fattening foods. Bring on the fried oysters and king cake. Hell Bring on yes. the king cake. All the king cake. All of it. Give it all to me. Let me be the judge. So number two is, of course, about king cake itself. My favorite part. <laughs> no Mardi Gras celebration is complete without a slice of king cake. Surprisingly, the vibrant dessert has religious roots. The cake symbolizes the three kings bringing gifts to baby Jesus. Sweet, right? A mix between coffee cake and a gooey cinnamon roll. Hell yeah. The, cir the circular treat is always decorated with bold purple, gold, and green colors. A nod to the traditional Mardi Gras hues. The best part, it contains an exciting hidden tre treasure. If you're lucky, you just might score a slice that contains a plastic baby that is supposed to bring good fortune. If you go to the stores down here, they sell the baby, like, on the side, like, in a packaging, and you're supposed to, like, put it in yourself, which no one ever does. They're just like, who wants the baby? <laughs> oh, we did. We put it in a... Uh... Slice. Oh God! So he would have to buy the next. <laughs> but I'm like, like you have people that literally just literally bite into the. I'm like, y'all ain't worried that you're gonna bite into something and choke? Like, come on! No, I'm gonna bite into it, and then I'm gonna be like, hey, that's the baby. I bit the baby. I got good <laughs> luck for the rest of the year. All right. Anyways, number three, Rex, the king of the carnival. Rex, which means king in Latin, was organized by a European businessman in New Orleans who wanted to honor Grand Duke Alexis of Russia's visit to New Orleans by throwing a lavish celebration. Their efforts were twofold. In addition to honoring the Grand Duke, they also wanted to attract tourists to New Orleans following the American Civil War. Throughout Mardi Gras history, the Rex organization reigns supreme. Its members throw extravagant galas, and their parade is one of the most celebrated of the festival. Plus, every year, a new Rex is crowned King of the Carnival. This noble honor includes receiving the coveted, symbolic key to the city by the mayor. Where do I sign up? <laughs> give, give me the key to New Orleans. <laughs> give it to me. I need it. Four, Zulu Coconuts. While beads get all the attention, there's a more natural throw that's given out during Mardi Gras. Zulu coconuts. Yes, That is not here in Mobile. Not here. Yes, the hairy fruit with the hard shell has been a constant at the festivities for more than a century. As one of the oldest African-American crews, parade hosts, the Zulu Social Aid and Pleasure Club passed out their first coconuts in 1909. Originally, they were thrown into crowds in their natural state, but today they are hairless, pa hand-painted in glittery designs, and handed to revelers instead of being tossed. I was also going to say to me that kind of makes sense because I feel like New Orleans has withheld a lot of their individual cultures, yeah. whereas here in Alabama, it's you're southern or you're or you die. Yeah, 
it it's just funny because like here <laughs> i know like there's some crews that really kind of try to take into like perspective that they can't just be chucking anything and everything at people because you're some people are very focused and some people are not so they try to like not get anything that's gonna hurt you and i feel like a coconut would <laughs> like yes i know that said that they start just like handing them and stuff throwing them trish and i begged for the stuff olaf oh my god I it was would not so have mad it would not have hurt at all would not have hurt at all. He could have thrown it at us. This it. man had it held up, and that was his way of gaining a reaction. Then he put it down, throw other stuff. I was yes. so mad. I was like, "Yes, when the Olaf, damn it!" So speaking of throwing things, number five, the throwing of beads. Yeah. I got a whole bunch at this last one. Okay. <laughs> Without flashing anybody, because remember, we're in Mobile. The I was ready. <laughs> we were both ready. The act of throwing beads might be one of the most prominent activities that take place during Mardi Gras. What is known by locals and Mardi Gras goers as throws happens when beads and other eye-catching trinkets are tossed from parade floats into crowds. This tradition is believed to have started in the late 19th century when a carnival king threw out fake gems and jewelry to his supporters. Mardi Gras parade revelers have a blast catching the beads all in fun, in fact, every year, over 25 million pounds of Mardi Gras beads are thrown from floats. And if you go to certain parts of New Orleans, no matter what time of year it is, you will see beads hanging up in the trees. And also, sometimes in Mobile, too. Like, you have to catch it right after the parades, because eventually throughout the year it comes down. But there are parts of Mobile where if you drive through, there are really beautiful trees, no matter what time of year it is. Yeah. But around Mardi Gras few months after you'll see the purple green gold beads and whatnot still hanging down and during the parade that we were at whenever the like final we were came through, <laughs> there was actually a fire truck that closed down the end of the parade and they were kind of going through trying to catch some of the like hanging stuff out of the well it was just funny because like where we are at like i did not think about when we were like kind of claiming our spot we had a tree like right over us and so, like, if they didn't aim it right, the tree was catching stuff. I was like, we are not in a great spot. This is not conducive to catching beads. But well, I still did get And then to the left of us, we had balconies, so they kept yeah. throwing up instead of down. To... Anyways, we know better for next time. Like I said, it was our first time. Really. We also set up, and where were you at when we set up? There were no children. No crotch goblins anywhere. And then the parade started. And these people, I don't know who was watching these children, but they sure were asking for somebody to steal them. <laughs> because next thing I know, you got kids running all behind us. You got kids jumping the barrier and getting shit out of the road. I was like, what the... To be fair, my <laughs> mom would have been the one telling us to jump the barrier to get stuff out of the road <laughs> as she watched. But Hey, 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 go get go get that. That looks real cool. Go get that. Meanwhile, I'm sitting there like, Sloan's like, I want the tennis ball. I was like, someone kicked the tennis ball this way. And they finally did. And I, I like reached out. Like I bent down and I like worked my way through like the barrier, like still on the, the side that we're supposed to be on and got this tennis ball. And now it's the boys' favorite thing. I was about to say, let me tell you, the boys have been loving it. I need to go to Walmart and get more tennis balls because they have been fighting over that nonstop. All right, to continue, number six, flambeau. Since the beginning of Mardi Gras, flambeau have lit the path for parades. I'm really hoping I'm pronouncing that right. I'm very familiar with, like, the French pronunciation or the Cajun yeah. pronunciations of things, so I'm hoping I'm pronouncing that right. Do apologize if I'm not. But since the beginning of Mardi Gras, flambeau have lit, lit the path for the parades. Derived from flambe, 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 the French word for flame, flambeau have been the mainstay of the festival. Historically, flambeau walkers were enslaved and free African-American men who entertained onlookers with jaw-dropping twirls and fascinating stunts in exchange for tips. Today, the century-old traditions continues. 
Seven. This is one I'm interested to learn about because I kind of know it, but not really. But we're going to talk about the colors of Mardi Gras. So you can't take two steps on a bourbon street without seeing splashes of purple, gold, and green displayed throughout the area. Dare I say Louisiana. My nails right now are Mardi Gras. Yes, mine were until I picked they them They are off. green and then like my one sparkly nail is definitely the like. It has purples and greens and golds and it does have a few blues in it, but it's not really like overwhelming. Yeah. Like. It's a beautiful color. It's I've gotten that um, glitter nail twice now. And the first time was for my best friend's peacock-themed wedding. So it worked really, really well yeah. for that. But it works really well for Mardi Gras as well. I need to be better about that because somebody asked what number colors I got dipped. And I wanted to figure out yeah. what that glitter was at least. Anyway, so back to the colors of Mardi Gras. Um... So you see these colors because that's the official colors of Mardi Gras. Like many cultural events and celebrations, symbolism is a common theme and Mardi Gras is no exception. These vivid colors represent justice, purple, power, gold, and faith, green. It's believed that the crew of Rex came up with the colors in 1872 and they became the official colors during the symbolism of color parade 20 years later in 1892. Nice. Eight, the meaning behind the masks. You'd be hard-pressed to find anyone maskless during Mardi Gras in New Orleans. All parade float riders must don masks to keep up the mystique surrounding their identities. Yes, you read that right. It's the law. It's believed that in the beginning of Mardi Gras, people wore masks for a sense of freedom and liberation. The anonymity allowed them to mingle, be themselves, and have fun without class constraints. Today, the sentiment remains. I love the Mardi Gras masks. I know. I've had several throughout my life. Like, I bought them from Bourbon Street. I love the feathers, the glitter, the drama. I will have to ask. um, So, like we said, we went to the parade on Friday. It was, I think, yeah, the 3rd. It was February 3rd that that was. And... One of the cigar guys that I work with, that was his crew that put it on. So I have to ask him, be like, what float were you on? And did you happen to notice me there? <laughs> because obviously they're wearing masks. So like, you can't be like, oh, that's, that's David. Mm-hmm. So that's John. Yeah. Like, I'm like, I'll be like, oh, which float were you on? Which side did you face? Because um, I was definitely down there. Mm-hmm. Which is funny. I also wish I would have a better picture of my like makeup I did for Mardi Gras. Per- it was good. It was really good. It was really good. I definitely had the purple, green, and gold. So Her hair was on, on point and my hair, her makeup was great and my hair was great. That's what I was trying to say. Honestly, I did the braid. Like, I had Sloan do braids just because I was like, it'll keep it out of the way at least. I did the little, like, bubble braids, but I also had green she and has gold tinsel, and I have my hair dyed purple. So I was like, uh. Anyways, number nine, bring on the parades, as we've talked about a lot on this episode. Yeah. It's simple. You can't have Mardi Gras without parades. The jubilant processions are integral to the celebrations have been and have been a part of Mardi Gras since inception. Since the beginning, crews have been in control of their vibe and overall aesthetic, including the floats. Um, and then lastly, worldwide revelry. While New Orleans is the epicenter of Mardi Gras, it's not the only place where the party happens. Keep in mind, Carnival is celebrated in countries across the globe, including Italy, Germany, Poland, the United Kingdom, just to name a few. Since Mardi Gras occurs on the last day of the Carnival season, it only makes sense that it's celebrated in these places as well. And the stateside festivities don't end in the Big Easy either. States like Alabama, Mississippi, and Florida all partake in the Mardi Gras fun. So, if you are ever able to, like, make your way down to the Gulf Coast for Mardi Gras, I highly, highly, highly recommend it. 
if you're looking for the typical like girls gone wild type of Mardi Gras, New Orleans is where you, <laughs> New Orleans yes. is where you want to go or even like other towns and cities in Louisiana, Baton Rouge even, if you want family friendly, that's where you want to go. Or Mobile or the coast of Mississippi. But like Girls Gone Wild, New Orleans. Yes. Family friendly. Everywhere else on the Gulf Coast. <laughs> that is my TED Talk about Mardi Gras. Thank you for joining. Thank you for coming back to hang out with us today. You can find us on our socials. We have Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, Instagram. They are all tequila she wrote. You can also email us with any anything at tequila she wrote at gmail.com. We also have our Patreon set up. And there you can get ad-free episodes. I am behind because I did get locked out of Anchor. So I had to wait for um, Sloan to confirm um, what the <laughs> password was because I forgot. Um, but I am working on getting it up to date. But there you'll find ad-free episodes. We also have a couple of bonus episodes. We are working on getting you some more. So just bear with us. Like I said. We took time off. We were trying to stay away from everything. So it is a little behind. But we will get there. And easiest way to find us there. Is by going to patreon.com. Backslash tequila she wrote. Or you can go to our socials. Click on our link tree. And you should have a direct link there. If you're having troubles finding it. Just let us know. We will try to direct you the best we can. Like I said, you get every episode to get bonus episodes. We have like Ruining Paradise and you have Haunted episodes. It just kind of depends on what level you sign up for and all that. So look into it. See if there's something you like there. But thanks for riding on the Hot Mess Express again. Toot toot. Beep beep. Beep. <laughs>